I'll start again. We're in what I call a mini-series uh, currently because the next one we're going to do, we're going to be doing for about the next 10 years, I think, <laughs> as we work our way through the Gospels. Just kidding. Though it will be uh, quite a bit of time over the next year. Currently, we're looking at the topic, Seeking to Become Like Jesus in All Things, which is a part of the narrative of our church, uh, which is something that has been worked with and listened to the Holy Spirit uh, to help us as a board lead our church into how does God want us to fulfill and live out uh, the purposes of God here in our local church. And so seeking to become like Jesus in all things is, is one of the phrases. Over these few weeks, we've looked at a variety of, of scriptures that seek, speak about this, such as Ephesians 4 that says, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking to you truthfully and in love, we must grow up becoming like Christ in all things. We've also ventured out into uh, considering the question, how do we become like Jesus? H how do we become the kind of people who actually love and serve God and others and considering the needs of others above our own? And I've suggested that the only way that we can become like Jesus is to connect with and learn from Him. And this suggests that the key to becoming like Jesus is to connect with and learn from Him. It's about relationship. It's about being with Him. It's about hearing, listening, and doing what He says. And that is both from the Gospels, which is why we're going to be going there in a few weeks, but it is also a part of the life, the eternal kind of life that he wants us to join him in that is for right now in our everyday lives. Learning to connect with him through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to live in that divine life that he has invited us to. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about this idea of hearing, listening, and doing what he says. But before we head there, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for inviting us to follow you. Thank you for speaking to us and saying, come, come be with me, come hang out with me. And there's no question that that's hard to do, hard to know how to connect with you in our day-to-day -day life, but I believe with all my heart that that's what you intend, that that's what you want to help us to be able to do to learn to hear your voice, to see what the Father's doing, and then to join him in that. As we reflect on these um, 
statements, these passages by you, Jesus. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten us. That that which perhaps has become dull in familiarity might become awakened, enlivened, where revelation would come to us and hear what is truly your heart for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a number of, of times in the gospel stories where Jesus spoke about this idea of hearing and doing what he said and uses the words obeying his instructions. And we're going to look at a few of those this morning. And we're going to start with Matthew 7, 24 and 26, which is from the ending of the Sermon on the Mount which we will be looking at in great depth in a few months. But for now, just these couple of verses that we're familiar about and familiar with. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now we've heard those words dozens and dozens and dozens of times. But what do you think about them? How do you, how do you feel about this idea of our participation in the things of God in such a way that one leads to a kind of life that is secure, full, filled with God. And another, not so much. And the connection here is not the hearing but the response to the hearing. We hear the words of Jesus frequently as we read through the scriptures. We're familiar with many phrases, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but how are those words impacting our daily lives. This is what we're going to try and journey through over the next months. I think we have grown familiar, but at the same time have lost something in the translation into our lives. So let me just ask you this. When you think of a house built on rock, what ideas come to your mind? Just images and pictures. What is that, those words 
It's a word picture. It's a metaphor. It's a parable. Any, what, what, what do you imagine? I've got rock in my yard. It, it's growing. Every week, I, I mow my, my weeds and my lawn, and the, the rocks are coming higher and higher and finding my lawnmower blade. I feel like my house is pretty secure. Right? They spend a lot of money. There's two houses uh, in our neighborhood, new houses being built. They've got all the walls up, and they've got the piles of... of um, granite rock, but one of them's down by kind of a little stream bed, and I'm a little concerned for them. They're kind of close to the sand. So what images come to your mind when you think of someone building their life on sand? Jesus is is using this picture, this, this metaphor, to talk about our life. And he's saying that not his words, but our action to live out what he's saying. And this is not commandments, in my opinion, and we'll get to that later, he's talking about that which is simply true and wise and good. If last night we had been, any of us, down in the Galveston or Rockport or Houston areas, and and we approached this flooded area and the sign says don't cross when flooded I I would hope that we would think the sign knows what it's talking about that someone thought about it and you know what I better turn around that's what Jesus is saying he's saying my words have been given to you to lead you to safety to, to lead you into a life of fullness and abundance. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. But the trouble is, is when we choose other options, rather than pursuing life, we're experiencing perishing. John 3.16 suggests. Let's look at another passage from John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So first, let's make sure of something. Who's Jesus talking to? Is he talking to the 
crowds to who? The Jews, but what kind of them? Who believed in, who believed in him? So they're they're believing in him. I don't know about converted, but they are believing. They have they've seen something about him and they've said yes to Jesus. And Jesus is pleased, happy, but he wants to encourage them and let them know, you know, believing alone is not enough. I said last week, the demons believe. And Jesus says in this passage, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. See, we can believe that Jesus is a good man. We can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We can believe that he was a miracle worker. But if that belief doesn't translate out into, well, what he says is probably really important, then I'm not sure those beliefs mean much. They are an assent to something without perhaps living according to. So the word abide here means to dwell in, to live in, to stay connected to. Jesus uses the same word later when he references abide in me and I in you. Dwell in, live in, remain connected. And he gives us a picture in John of the vine and the branches. And he talks about how if the branch isn't connected to the vine, it's going to wither and die. And so similarly here, as he's speaking to those who believe in him, he says, believing is good, but what I need you to do, what will bring you into true, the fullness of truth and the truth that will set you free is that which you abide in, that you dwell in, you remain connected to. Now, scripture memorization is a very good practice. And when practiced regularly, is a means by which we can be familiar and remember more of the teachings of Jesus. If, if those were the passages we chose, or any passages. But to abide, to live in, to dwell in, is, is more uh, material than that. And, and I would suggest that it has more to do with kind of how we do life. Abiding in Jesus, abiding in His Word will bring us into a fullness of life And I would encourage us, I think we, we need to be wrestling with thinking about praying, asking the Holy Spirit's involvement, talking to Jesus. Jesus, 
what could it look like for me to abide in your word? Reading them, being reminded of them, that's a good, that's a good start. But they, they need to be within our heart. They need to be within us. They need to be the foundation from which we live. In John 15, Jesus uses this word abide, this time referencing abiding in him, but also his words. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, that promise is huge and one that I believe we generally dismiss. At least I have. The idea of asking for whatever I wish from God, from Jesus, and it being done for me, Don't practice that very much. Do you? I don't live as if that's true very much, though I'm working on it. But there's a preface to that ability to make that ask and for it to be done, and that is that we abide, live in, dwell in, remain connected to Jesus and His words to abide, remain connected, to live in us. And I'd like to suggest that there's something to learn here. In fact, I think there's something really important here. Because if we simply listen and hear His words, but don't act on them, He said, that's not going to work out so well. Listening and, and learning without implementation, without action and doing will not set us free. It will not posture us in a way that we have sufficient connected relationship with Jesus that we could ask for whatever we wish and it would be done for us. So my hope this morning as we look at these, these verses is, is to genuinely consider how am I doing, what am I doing to abide in Jesus and for Jesus' words to abide in me. And 
I, I'm not sharing this with you to shame or to scold or um, in any way to condemn or judge. I'm genuinely believing that there is something here for us to experience that abundant life that Jesus is inviting us to. That we are not experiencing as much as I believe he would want us to. Or as much as we would want to. And the key to that divine life, the key to that eternal life that he has invited us to has to do with abiding in him and his words abiding in us. And I think this would be something worthy to consider, to pray about, to wrestle with. Just one more for right now, this morning. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. There's numerous passages where Jesus speaks of his words as commandments and speaks of a response of obedience. Jesus came and said to the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I have a sense that the words obey and command are not very politically correct at this time in the United States. <laughs> I can't speak about the rest of the world because I'm not as familiar. In fact, I'm not all that familiar with all of the United States. but. When a parent says, obey me and clean your room this very instant, many in our society, I believe, would say that was abusive. Right? The word obey is harsh. It is mean. And then command is not much different. I command you to sit down right now. A teacher to get fired, I think. Maybe not. Maybe a first warning if they've never done it before. But if they ever did that, they've probably done other things and may not have their job. We don't like those words. We are not comfortable with obey and command. But let me give you a little bit of brief thought that might help you. And I, I don't share these to simply alleviate the tension, but to bring us into understanding. 
Because I think we run from these phrases and these sentences and these words of Jesus because of the words. So the word obey in, in the Greek is tereo. And it means to observe, to watch over, to heed, or to do. Let me say that again. I don't have them up there. To observe, to watch over, to heed, or to do. The word command in the Greek is eltelomai, and it means command, charge, or direct. And it is in the sense of instruction, as from a teacher or a director, from a king or from a military officer. Think with me for a moment about a military application. You've got a room full of soldiers, let's say. I've not been in the military. I'm making this up. But I could imagine through the movies I've watched, you've got a room full of soldiers who are receiving their orders, their commands. And once they have those, they leave the room and do what? Whatever those orders were. Any soldiers, ex-soldiers in the room that, that can... Do we have any? Benjamin. Glenn, weren't you in the military? No, I guess not. Robin. Not many here. So, are the commanding officers mean to give them their orders? Is a teacher mean to direct her students in how to do math or science? So, I... I would like to suggest first that God loves us, that God wants our very, very best, that He is for us. For God so loved the world that He sent His one only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. That's God's heart, right? That's why Jesus came. And one of the things Jesus did when he came was to give us some instructions. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to go down that path and drive your car across that area that's filled with water. You're going to die. I don't want you to perish. I want to save you from perishing. And here's what you can do. 
listen to what I say, and take action to live that way, to leave behind the false understandings, the false beliefs, the misunderstandings we have about life. Believe me, Jesus said, that I am the way, that I can lead you to all truth, and as a result, you can experience life. Go this way, do this, come with me, follow me. It's not this harsh parent, obey me and clean your room. These truths, these words of Jesus have been given to us because they are directives to life. This is the way to go. Leave behind the patterns of life you've been living. They don't work. I love you. I want to save you. I want your life to be full and abundant. I want you to be living in and according to this divine life that I have made available to you. But you're going to have to go this way. That way is not going to work. As we move in September into looking at the, the life and teaching of Jesus, my hope is, is that every time we read a story in the Gospels that we can remember that for God so loved us that he sent Jesus to point us in the right way. That Jesus is tossing a lifeline out to us and saying, grab a hold. But he doesn't force you to grab it. God doesn't make you grab the lifeline. He tosses it to you. It's available. But we have to reach out and take it. We need to find out what does it mean to abide in Jesus and to have his word abide in us. Because that, he said, will set us free. Free from the entanglements of this life, the patterns of this world, the way that we've been living, and unto the kind of life that he intends for us. But do we really believe that? Or are they just nice words? So I'm, I'm going to invite you to take a, a moment, invite us to take a moment. I'm not using any more of the slides, David. You can leave that one up, though. It's fine. Let's put back the, the one just before that one, would you? I'd like to invite you to just pause for a minute to perhaps close your eyes.
And I'd like you to just imagine that Jesus is, is wanting to speak to you. That he has, is with you, as he said. And he says to you, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you wish, and I will do it. And I would invite you to say, Jesus, how do I do that? How do I abide in you? How do I allow your words to abide in me? And I'd like you just to sit with that and listen to see what he can say. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to help you. He's with you to teach you how to abide in Him.
Jesus, it was declared of you that you have the words to eternal life. And we know that. And we believe it to some degree. And we have confidence of eternal life after we die. But I think we're missing the connection to life now. Eternal life now, abundant life now, divine life now. Relationship with you, Jesus, and you, Papa, and Holy Spirit. This is eternal life, you said, Jesus to know you. To so live that we act upon your words that you speak to us. To believe that what you said is true and that that's the way I need to live. That's the way I need to go. So would you help us? Would you this week teach us about abiding in you? Would you increase our awareness of your presence with us? Holy Spirit, would you remind us of being with us? Would you tap us on the shoulder? Would you bring a thought to our mind? Son, daughter, I'm with you. You're not alone. Let me help you. Jesus, we want to learn from you. We want to become like you. And so would you help us as we learn to follow you? In Jesus' name, amen. So you have a homework assignment. I want you to consider, think about, pray about, journal about, talk with somebody about, read the scriptures about, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? What would it look like for you to dwell in to live in, to remain connected to Jesus 
all day long. Try it. See what you can do. I think it's important. Bless you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for, boy, those elements today, all that sleet and snow and hail and fire and ice. It was tough to get here. Oh, yeah, water, water. If any of you would like uh, to interact, to talk with somebody, you came this morning really sensing a burden, a difficulty in your life that you're facing, perhaps loved ones that you're concerned about. Uh, We'll have people up here at the front who would love an opportunity to pray with you, to talk with you, and to uh, partner with you in what God's doing in your life. So thanks for coming. Have a great week. And I'll see you next Sunday. Take all I have in these hands and multiply God.